Hey, this is Jennifer Tribe, host of Supercasters. We've got a special episode for you today on loan from the Tube Talk podcast. Tube Talk is a podcast for YouTube creators, and a couple of months ago, the hosts Dan and Rob had Sagar and Jetty and Jason Suhoi on as guests. Now, if you've been a Supercasters follower or subscriber for a while, those names will be familiar to you. Sagar and Jetty is the co-host of a hit podcast and YouTube show called Breaking Points. Breaking Points launched a subscription program with Supercast this past summer that landed 10,000 paying subscribers in the first 48 hours alone. Jason Suhoi, of course, is the CEO of Supercast. And the reason we wanted to run this interview from Tube Talk is because in it, Sager and Jason do a deep dive into breaking points and their success, including how they built and structured their subscription program. There are a lot of great takeaways in this case study, including how to figure out the perks your audience wants, experimenting with content, how to market your subscription program, the dangers of overpromising, and a whole lot more. As always, with every episode, you'll find a full transcript of the interview on our website at supercast.com slash podcast, and this episode will have links to a bunch of Tube Talk resources. A note for premium subscribers, there is no extended version of this interview. We're making the whole thing available to everyone. But of course, if you are a premium subscriber, you get access to a whole bunch of other things like our Supercasters networking community, where you can talk with other podcasters about this episode, ask questions, debate the finer points, share your experience, hear other experiences. It's a lot of fun, and I hope to see you in there. It is free to become a subscriber. Just go to premium.supercast.com, click the free sign up button, and you're in. Now here's the Tube Talk Show. Enjoy. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Welcome back to the Tube Talk podcast. I'm Dan, joined as always by Mr. Rob. We're talking all about if, if you're somebody who has a podcast or a show you do on YouTube and you're looking to maybe turn it into more of a business you've come to the right place. So let's get started. Big shout out to Chris Liddell. (laughs) For that to make any sense, you will have to listen to the next 45 minutes of this podcast. Joining us today for Tube Talk, Sagar and Jason. Both of you, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Uh, So let's go around the table a little bit for everybody who doesn't know. Uh, Sagar, we'll start with you. Uh, Tell tell everybody uh, what it is you do on YouTube and as a creator online. Sure. Yeah. Um, so my co-host Crystal Ball and I, we just launched uh, Breaking Points with Crystal and Sager on YouTube. Previously hosted a YouTube show at The Hill. Um, we built that channel from that The Hill's channel from 6,000 subs. I think when we left, it was 1.3 million. And so then within the first 90 days, I think, yeah, I guess we're officially, Jason, at the 90-day mark uh, mm-hmm. today, that when the day that we're taping this, I think we're around 560,000 on YouTube right now. So it's both a podcast and a YouTube show um, on politics. And it's predominantly for, I mean, it's for everybody, but really we see it really resonate amongst millennials who hate cable news. And so that's kind of been the, uh, that's kind of been the niche that we've fulfilled. And uh, Jason, you are the CEO of Supercast. Uh, you want to tell everybody a little bit about that? Sure. So uh, Supercast is uh, a platform that uh, allows people with an established audience, allows creators to effectively 
uh, monetize via premium subscriptions. Um, so, of course, there's lots of different places these days where creators can have audiences. Uh, they can be podcasters, they can be YouTubers, they can have big social followings on uh, Twitter and Instagram. You know, Saga, as well as the YouTube, obviously has, uh, you know, big followings on, on social as well. Um, and so what Supercast provides is uh, a way for you to establish a deeper connection uh, with fans that want to support you on a monthly basis. Um, so we essentially provide the, the end-to-end platform that allows you to set up a, a simple link uh, to send your audience through to a landing page on Supercast and then to establish plans, you know, with um, perks that, that uh, your members uh, get and, can, and sign up to uh, in exchange for paying a monthly fee. So anywhere from yeah. typically from five to fifteen dollars in exchange for this idea of of getting deeper access to um, this person, this show, this host that you already uh, know and love. And so uh, the primary use case um, that we we've set up uh, with on Supercast is. Uh, for, for podcasters, we initially, you know, built out subscription offerings for the likes of, um, Sam Harris, uh, Peter Atia, Rhonda Patrick, and now obviously, you know, helping, uh, YouTubers like, you know, Saga as well, uh, reach, you know, new audiences, uh, through audio. Um, and yeah, we're, we're excited to be able to, to lean into, uh, more and more content formats, uh, as, you know, as, uh, creators evolve their craft. Well, we thank both of you for being here. Uh, we have uh, quite a large creator audience, and most of what we talk about is always based around YouTube. And so uh, my first question for, for either of you really would be, uh, for anyone listening, is YouTube a good place to podcast? Because we all know of our favorite podcasting apps on our mobile device. Uh, we don't really think about YouTube as the place to, to turn on a podcast. So uh, is, is YouTube where you want to be as a podcaster? I unequivocally think that YouTube is one of the most powerful platforms in podcasting. And the reason why is I almost kind of stumbled into this. So we started out YouTube first podcast second, but you know, would be remiss, you know, our podcast routinely is in the number one or number two category on Spotify or Apple for the entire news category. And sometimes we beat, you know, the New York Times. So how did that happen? And the way it happened, and this is why I believe so strongly in YouTube is that we have distinct clips for our free version of our show, right? If you pay by a supercast, one of the premium benefits that we have is you get the full show completely uncut. But what happens is that each individual clip of your show becomes a piece of marketing for two things. Number one, your podcast. And number two, your premium subscription. So for example, if I cover a news thing on Andrew Cuomo, and then the other one is on Afghanistan, those are potentially two separate and distinct audiences. People are willing to put up with you for five minutes to hear what's going on on Cuomo. And they'll be like, hey, you know what? I like this guy. Like, let me see what he has to say on this and then this. And then the day comes, you're like, hey, I want to hear what the, you know, me and Crystal have to say every single day and I'm driving to work. So let me just go ahead and download that app on my podcast. And then after two of those times, you become a premium subscriber uh, via Supercast and you can both listen or you can watch the full thing. So YouTube is all about marketing. And also there's a real visual desktop element. And maybe this is just news in particular, but we spend a lot of money. One of the reasons that we have a high tier and we ask for premium subscriptions is we have a very, very high value studio that we operate out of with a large staff with elements. I mean, 
we did our best to kind of create this premium experience. But the way that it works is that when people see and engage with you um, on YouTube, they are much more likely to carry you with you and also listen to you in the audio format. So for me, it's like it's all about omni integration and for everything becoming a piece of marketing. Jason, I'd love to hear what you have to say, too. Yeah, uh, uh, some of our uh, earliest content creators, uh, they actually started out trying to monetize with premium videos behind a paywall. Um, and the overwhelming feedback, you know, that they got from from some of their members were, I, you know, I love your content. I could listen to it all day long. I just want it, you know, on my phone. I want to be able to play this while I'm washing the dishes, while I'm on the train to work, wherever it is, and and not face this constant interruption of, you know, my my phone goes into lock mode and and then everything stops playing, you know. Uh, and so I think um, people just want to consume your content. In, in the way that best befits, you know, them, their lives and their situation. And so by being able to offer uh, both the video for the people that, you know, have the time to watch or audio for, you know, when you're on the go, uh, I think you're just able to to basically meet people where they are. And that's, you know, kind of the, the overwhelming thing. I think that it's important for creators to consider these days is just that if you're trying to reach, reach the widest possible audience and, and, you know, let's face it, you know, who is not, mm-hmm. uh, then I think it, it just makes sense to be thinking about multiple platforms multiple mediums and multiple sources of revenue you know you just really want to diversify your business would it be fair to say that the videos on your channel range between say five to 15 minutes yeah yeah that's about right Uh, is there a particular reason why you've chosen i guess that length of video as a sweet spot because i think sometimes uh certainly creators who are trying to maybe have podcasts on youtube struggle with the concept of is somebody going to watch a podcast for an hour and a half or is it better to repurpose repurpose it into more bite-sized pieces of content which is clearly what you're doing here well what i would tell that well here's the thing i mean we we've specifically made the choice to put that full video the hour-long video behind the paywall because people want it so much so this, to be fair, though, it's a little bit different in a news context because people don't want to be able to click different clips and especially in a premium context. But what I would say is that there's no reason that you shouldn't do both necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think it made yeah. sense for us to put it behind the paywall. I mean, like I'm friends like Tim Dillon or, you know, Andrew Schultz at Flagrant. They've found great success in just simply doing both. They have two channels, right? So they have Tim Dillon yeah. clips or Flagrant True clips and the full thing. So I would say that it's, I would really think that the best way, the most, the the way to get the most out of it is to do both if you're just starting out, but also consider, you know, in terms of if you start with clips and then people, you can offer the ability to watch um, uncut as a premium benefit too, because a lot of people get, or if not even just watch, but listen um, as well. There's a lot of, of benefit in that for people who really, really like your content. And how much um, editing, if there is any, is going into creating these five to 15 minute videos? Or are you able to literally do the entire show and then lift it directly from the full show? Or does it still require a bit of massaging, you know, in terms of B-roll or putting out a little bit here and there a minute or two? So at the Hill, it was, frankly, in my opinion, very inefficient. What we were doing is we were starting up and starting down for every clip. So every clip was a distinct role. You start 
you go through, you shut down. What we did, and I specifically, Crystal and I designed it this way, is because we knew now that people were going to be listening both as a podcast, it needs to have a little bit of a better flow. And so now we go continuously, no breaks, nothing. We have the ability if we need to, to do a stop down and we can edit that in, but the production is done so that you come on set, you go, you record all the way through. This has two benefits. Number one is that, look, at the end of the day, our real customers are our premium subscribers. So they get the premium experience by watching a full uncut show, which is just more natural, more pleasurable mm-hmm. to watch all of that. But second, it's like you said, for the editing, all I have going is I have a guy in the back in the control room who the moment that I go, okay, now let's talk about something. He just cuts it right there in premiere. And so he's actually divvying up the clips while we're going. So by the time that I wrap, all he has to do, he's got all my clips ready. They're already exported. He just has to export my full show. And then that goes to the premium people. And then part of the thing that we also offer is we offer the premium video uh, an hour early to the people who pay at 11 a.m. And then the rest of the clips, they all premiere on YouTube at noon. So what we do is the editing process, it's actually easier to just record it full throughout. And it makes it very, very easy to post, especially because I think ours is a bit unique for most of the people in the creator space. Like we have timeliness, right? Like news gets stale very quickly. Like Mm -hmm. you could do a segment and this actually happened once we, we, you know, a couple of days ago, we did a whole segment on Afghanistan and the suicide bomb went off and we're like, okay, we can't post it. You know, it's, it's, it's stale within an hour that happens very rarely, but um, that's something that we have to consider more than I think other people. I think that's a fascinating aspect in terms of timeliness because, you know, I'm I'm subscribed to a couple of podcasts uh, and I might get the podcast three or four days early because I'm on a paid subscription. But for you in news, you yeah. know, you're talking literally about an hour, you know, yeah. 30 minutes. Uh, I guess my final question before I throw over um, to Dan again, uh, this may be more for you, Jason. How much are you trying to encourage the call to action action in the clips on the YouTube channel for the for the premium services, or uh, are you more um, relying on the people enjoying your content so much that they're, they're going to find out where they need to go to to, to find a premium service? Because there's always a very fine balance between the two. You know, how how much do you offer the free content sure. in terms of you know those who really want to find everything out, out about the show? I think I'll talk you know, to, I guess, what, what uh, you've done with Breaking Point Saga and then, you know, feel free mm-hmm. to, to jump in. But I, I think philosophically, you know, like at a high level, you certainly want to make it as easy as possible for people to find where to subscribe. You know, mm-hmm. like like anything on the internet, the more seamless you can make that conversion path, the more seamless you can make it for people to discover that there is even this such a thing as this premium, right. uh, the higher percentage of people that will that will follow through with you. Like it's just we're all spread for attention and therefore you really want to make it as easy as possible. And so what does that mean? Um, that means, you know, talk about it on your show. Talk about, you know, what people – will experience, you know, if they if they sign up to premium, the early access, you know, like all of uh, the the bits and pieces that you get in, in addition to the free show, the, the fact you get it unedited, uncut, you know, and you can listen to the whole thing without dis- disruption. People don't know that unless you tell them. And so once you've told them, you have to be uh, consistent about it. You have to, you know, a lot of people at first they find it uncomfortable or repetitious to be able to do that. Mm, yeah. uh, but, you know, like you... you at the end of the day, if you feel good about the value that you're providing these people, 
it serves both of you to both you and your audience uh, to really deliver that message as consistently as possible. And then, you know, after that, there come the mechanics of it. So obviously, um, you want to have, uh, you know, throughout your show, ideally, you know, like the, the, the links are inserted into the visuals themselves, um, you know, clickable. And then in your descriptions, you want to have those links repeated again, you know, with a call out to be uh, a premium subscriber. So at its, at its core, you know, I'd say that kind of covers, you know, how often you should talk about it, the mechanics of it. But where people really do this well, Saga included, is where you can organically find ways mm. to to demonstrate the value that you'll get as a subscriber. And so Saga's show breaking points, you know, the, the unique spin as well as the, you know, kind of, you know, screw mainstream media angle mm-hmm. is is the bipartisan nature of their show. So Saga... Um, you, you know, like you know, Saga. Yeah, it's like right, you, left. Yeah, right. yeah. It's kind of like the right, left thing. You know, um, and and uh, so where they've come from, you know, historically is you know, Saga's more uh, mm-hmm. right leaning. He brings the right viewpoint. Crystal brings the left viewpoint. And so listeners come to be able to to hear the debate. You know, like the the contrasting of opinions when it comes to, you know, whatever's on, you know, the country's mind, you know, three times a week. Uh, and so that then, uh, from the point of view of the show, you know, kind of the, the the climax after an issue is presented is Saga turning to Crystal after delivering a monologue and saying, so what do you think, Crystal? And everybody's waiting for that, right? Because that's when you really get to kind of tease out an issue and that's where they, they cut off to premium every day. So yeah. It's it's finding those kind of moments of, of value that you know aren't necessarily mandatory, but are what pe- that what people really get attached to uh, that that can give you an organic a natural organic inflection point to be able to uh, bring people through to the premium experience. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and really, all it is is just listen to people. Be like, what do you like about the show? You know, when people come up to me on the street. They're like, I love your show. I'm like, well, what do you like about it? You know, and they're always kind of shocked. They're like, well, I really like how you guys talk about, you know, how you guys are like really civil with each other. And I'm like, okay, so what are they really saying? They're like, they really like whenever I present an issue and then she has a point and I go, oh, you know what? That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Something like that. And you're like, okay, well, that is what you should put behind a paywall, right? And so because people have experienced it, and they're like, wait, I want more of that. And then that natural cut point. And then in terms of where we put it on each clip, really easy. And as like Jason said, if you do it every day, it actually will feel weird. So the easy thing is you just automate it. We have a pre-recorded end screen at the end of every clip where we have, I think it's like a picture in picture, small thing like upper left, where we're like, hey, if you guys want to support the show, link is right down there in the description, like we're talking. And while we do that, we have an end screen period where a literal box link comes up where you can click, which takes you to our premium subscription page. So we have a link within the video and you have me being like, go ahead and check out the link like right there. And like I said, you combine that with each individual clip becoming a piece of marketing for your show that the YouTube algorithm spits out to you know, all these different audiences, you're reaching millions of people a day, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like the law of the internet is only one to 2% have to subscribe. You start to reach millions and millions and millions. That's a lot of people, right? And that you can really rack that up. Some people subscribe because, for example, I have to cover UFOs a lot. I have an entire like audience (laughs) that just knows me for UFOs. Fine. 
Um, there's a lot of people who only know me about Jeffrey Epstein. Okay, fine, right? So it's like you compile all these things together. Um, same with Crystal, like progressive politics, like AOC stuff, or whenever she covers uh, housing, she's like really big into housing. There's like a whole bunch of people that just subscribe for that stuff. And you, you can cobble this all together. You can create a real business that way. I, I want to stay on on this topic of monetization, but I, I think everything you're talking about is is pretty high level. This is stuff that you're going to be doing as you've grown to a certain point. Uh, let's let's take a step back though for for anybody who's really interested in this conversation they're hearing this and they're going wow like this gives me a lot of ideas on what i could do with my my show that i have on the internet what steps could they be taking to to treat their current passion whatever it is more like a business so they can get to this point that you're talking about mm-hmm. number one is identify your value to people not what you find valuable about your show and i think that that is what i really i mean you know, God bless a lot of people. They're like, I'm really passionate about this. And I'm like, that's great. But do other people care? And it, it, it can sound harsh, but it's really important to find out the value that you are giving other people in their day-to-day life and start out from that very basic point. And I know it's hard. These are the intangibles, but really what it is, is are you making people feel something? And then the second question is, is if you're really making people feel something, can you get people to support you while doing it? And those are two things where it can be hard to tell yourself the truth on those matters. And really, I think it requires um, a lot of organic reaching out. When, when we were really small, I'm talking like 10, 12,000, um, 12, 12,000 subscribers or something on YouTube. And I would get like maybe three people who would email me. I would just email them back. I'd be like, tell me what's going on. What do you like about it? I remember the first time somebody ever came up to me on the street and I just, I talked to them for like 30 minutes. I was like, tell me what's going on. Like, why do you like the show? What is it about the show that really gets to you? Right. <laughs> I love the cat there. And, um, <laughs> every show and yeah. <laughs> and it's really one of those things where you, you should really take the time to really get to know your audience. Um, really get to know like what you're offering people and then start running some experiments. I mean, one of our organic experiments that Crystal and I had that showed us how much we were valuable because we wrote a book and then that book hit the bestseller list and we were like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> like what? Like we only had 200,000 subs at the time. I thought it would sell, you know, a couple thousand copies or something. It sold tens of thousands of copies. I was blown away. I was like, I was like, okay, we got something going on here. Right. So that was an experiment. Another experiment was live shows. So we did these two live shows right before the pandemic. I, you know, of course, and um, we, they sold out like within a couple of hours. And we were like, whoa, you know, you just sold like 500 tickets. If people care enough to come and pay for a ticket to come and see you. That's something, right? So these are little things that you can latch onto. And that is, it's these little like micro experiments that I would run if I was just starting out. First, it's like, build the audience. Then what are people really getting out of this? Then you can run a couple of experiments like, okay, what are people going to pay this, that maybe soft launch a couple things. And then you have enough confidence. And, you know, Jason and I had enough confidence before we, you know, after we left the Hill, we were like, we know we can build something here. The only question Mm -hmm. is how big it's going to get. That's it. So like it, there were several steps there along the way. And for Jason, you have this company that encourages people to sign up for these memberships for their shows. Is there a particular audience size you might recommend that your clients have before, before they approach you? Is there a point at which it's not really beneficial to either 
party, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, the way I think about it is what is the most valuable use of a creator's time if they're still in those early stages? You know, there is just a point where, you know, if you... If you're, say, you know, like 5,000 subs, you know, below, you know, 10,000 subs or below, there's a question mark for you as to whether those people uh, are actually like repeat listeners. And, you know, Mm -hmm. to Saga's earlier point, you know, like whether they are deriving enough benefit from your show uh, that, you know, like they're they're highly engaged. And, and, you know, you can can establish a really strong connection with at least 5% of them, you know, 10% of them. Um, there's a core group of people that, you know, like love you on a, on a daily, weekly basis. I think anything smaller than that, and you're probably better off focused on, you know, just making sure that you really have that nut, that you've really kind of cracked that core proposition and that value that, that you can offer um, on a repeated basis to a, a segment of people. You know, the power of the internet these days is you can take a niche, you know, like it, it, as, as focused and as small as you want. And there are probably thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that, you know, would get interested by that. Um, and so, you know, I think that's, you know, for, for smaller creators, people that are just getting started out. That's the most valuable use of your time. Once you've, once you've achieved that, there are, you know, a num- numbers of ways that you can monetize, you know, like obviously ads, sponsorships, uh, premium subscriptions. We obviously, you know, would love to, to bring, you know, five to 10% of that audience through and, you know, get you paid directly, you know, like via a model, uh, such as Saga has rolled out with breaking points. Um, but you know, I think it's, you you ultimately just kind of like have to, to ask the hard question first of, you know, am I delivering enough value here that I can start to devote some of my time to thinking about turning on, uh, some paid channels. Yeah. When people think about monetizing a podcast, I think the their thought immediately goes to sponsorships. I mean, any podcast you listen to is going to have some kind of ad on it. Usually, our show is is sponsored by the company who owns it, which is VidIQ. So by now, they've probably heard the ad for the day. Uh, why? I, I guess I should ask it this way: Why? Why not go the sponsorship route? Why? Why the membership route? Well, they're not mutually exclusive at mm-hmm. all. Um, but, and people watch ads on YouTube, right? Um, and people, you know, in terms of our podcasts, like we definitely have the ability, our free version of our podcast to roll out ads anytime we want. If anything, it just makes our premium one even more valuable because then you don't have to listen to it. But here's what I would say. The most efficient transaction on earth is you pay me, not (laughs) let me bundle. I have all these people and then, you know, the podcast metrics are all over the place and like CPMs and X amount of downloads. Look, that's fine, you know, for the free version, but the most efficient transaction that exists is just pay me and we'll pay some processing fees via Stripe and Zero Gas, right? Like you cannot beat that, especially, like I said, if you are providing value to people, why bundle up all of your people and sell them to like an underwear company for a $30 CPM when you can just go ask them and you're like, hey, I really like the work that you do. This is the other thing. And this is a little bit more unique because again, news is just very, very different is Crystal and I were previously working for a corporation that took money from a lot of people who we did not agree with. And that's kind of the same thing. Yes, in podcasting ads, you can um, you decide who you're going to read sponsorships for or whatever. But I can tell you that these people, especially when you're talking about more touchy subjects, everybody's got opinions. And frankly, I don't care. Like the only people I want to be my boss are the people who listen to me. 
And so that is a much more pure form of when you listen to me, you know, I'm not taking money from X interest group, Y interest group. Mm -hmm. I'm not controlled by anybody. The only person is you. And if you want to cancel, that's okay. Whatever. Um, But that is a much more, I think, pure form of both content delivery and supporting because I've seen this happen to people in the space. You start to cover some controversial subjects and now all of a sudden your channel is demonetized or podcast uh, ad company comes out and be like, hey, I don't want to support you anymore. And from the very beginning, Crystal and I said, we don't ever want to be in that position. We always want you guys to know that no matter what happens, if YouTube wants to you know, cut our RPMs by like 60%, fine, whatever. You know, I'm not going to affect the way that I pay my bills. Mm-hmm. And so that is the, that is a, maybe a more purest form of it. But yeah, I would really just encourage people to get over whatever hump there is and really think about the efficiency of the transaction. I don't know why it feels dirtier to ask people to support you than to bundle up all these people and CPMs and you'd be like, oh, we're in this age range, all of that. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Jason. Look, you know, if I, the one overriding thing that we say to creators uh, when you know we're talking about supercasters, we want you to build your own castle. You know, like that's if if there's anything to remember, it's that, and and that you know, like it plays out in a number of different ways. Um, one, you know, like if if you're trying to build you know a, a business that can make it for the long term, uh, then of course um, you know, like you want to have as much under your own ownership and control as you can. And so you know. We talked about demonetization, you know, we talked about what, you know, we've all seen what platforms have the power to do when and however they choose to do it. Uh, and so in one form, building your own castle means make sure you're building your business in a place that no one can ever take that away from you. And so that is very much a philosophy we embody at Supercast. That's why it's your Stripe account that you connect to Supercast. Uh, that's why you always own the contact details of everybody that's a member. You can export that anytime. You can use tools like Zapier to be able to stitch together your own membership. You know, like it's all under your control, all under your umbrella. Platform, we love the platforms. They have their use. You know, like YouTube is there for a reason. That's where you find your audience. Same thing as, you know, uh, iTunes, podcasting, whatever. That you, You've got to build your audience by using these platforms, but then, you know, the trick is just to make sure that you're, you're then bringing them through to a property that uh, you own. Uh, but, uh, you know, like more, more so, you know, like building your own castle uh, just means, uh, you know, being able to, you know, evolve the membership in a way that, that fits your audience as well. Uh, and so we would love everyone to have ultimately like multiple revenue streams, not just one. So it's not advertising only. It's not subscription only. Of course, there are certain, there's, there's a lot of creators on Supercast that have devoted primarily to subscription. So for example, um, you know, health podcasters like, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Atia, like Rhonda Patrick, they don't want to have this idea that they are promoting a supplement because they're getting paid to do so because Mm -hmm. that then just erodes or potentially erodes, you know, even the perception of there being, you know, kind of, uh, you know, some hidden incentives in there just kind of starts to erode the trust that you build with your audience. So they've decided to go all in on subscription. And so they've been able to, you know, like build 
you know, just the sustaining source of, uh, of income um, based primarily on subscription. But there's a lot of other podcasters that have started out, of course, monetizing via sponsorship. It is, of course, the number one way that podcasters are making money these days. And then we see them two to three X their entire revenue by being able to layer on memberships on top of that. Uh, so we would love to see a world where ultimately you're in control, you have multiple sources of revenue, and you can build your own castle. Dan and I have just come off a, a live stream uh, literally an hour ago where we were talking about community. And again, just to provide context, um, the, the Breaking Points channel currently has just over half a million subscribers. And predominantly, you're talking about all sorts of different news topics, be it the Afghan war that's currently... Uh, whatever's happening, the, yeah. Whatever's happening, yeah. Uh, and so that can often lead to, you know, very spiky view counts if there isn't a commitment to the channel or the, the, the creators behind the channel or the community as a whole. And so I'm just curious uh, how you've been able to build... Uh, a really what seems to be a really loyal fan base because you know videos on your channel tend to average between 50 to 150,000 views which is really strong for the mm -hmm. current subscriber size yeah you know it's funny people say that but if you do it long enough and this is actually the key and you have the community they'll stick yeah. with you in the low times and then Look, of course, is there going to be fluff? This is in the news. Look, the news business is built on this. It's like, in when when am I going to get the most views? Presidential election, a war, January 6th, you know, BLM riots. Like, of course, that's fine. And there's a lot of, you know, fluff within that that's just going to come in exactly for that, and then they tune out. I actually meet, recently met someone, and they're like, I used to watch your videos. I'm like, what do you mean used to? <laughs> and they're like, uh, they're like, oh, well, I'm just tuning out the news. I'm like, that's better for your mental health. I was like, yes, you know, do you, do you. Um, but but as you were saying, if you do it for a longer period, and there are, you know, there are people out there. People want to be informed, and they want to be informed on a daily or weekly or you know, multi-week basis, which is what we do. They will come along, and they'll give you enough trust in particular to sit there and to watch what you curate for them. And so that is the stage that we're in now. Yeah. Um, we are now in that stage. I just did a piece, for example. Uh, I got 120,000 views yesterday on a Chinese semiconductor hostile takeover involving private equity. Nobody in the news business would ever tell you that that is a way to, you know, get a lot of views. But people know me well enough to say, I trust Sagar that if he picks this story, I should know about it. And it actually went, you know, did almost frankly better than some of my other stuff. And so same with Crystal. Crystal will do a news on like a very obscure piece of law um, around evictions, which is like this has the potential to, uh, you know, impact millions of lives. And so that is, again, the same thing where you have a level of trust with the audience. They'll see something where we're like, I don't really know anything about this, but I trust you in order to tell me about it. And then it just becomes a form of curation. In news in particular, all news is curation. You have a finite period of time. Um, it's up to CNN, MSNBC, Fox, how they decide to serve their you know, content in between their ad breaks. So our value add is that we're going to value your time and deliver you a particularly different type of story base based on that. So we really don't see as much spiking and dropping as you might expect for a news channel, specifically because of the trust that we've established. That being said, been at this every day, every week for what, two and a half years. So 
it doesn't come easy. And it's something that takes a long time and a real dedication to, you got to keep putting it out there. You got to be consistent. You got to make sure that you really know your people. You got to make sure that you can, um, you have that trust and, and, and figuring out when you have that trust is hard. You got to, like I said, it's all about experimentation. That's, that's the real thing. Before we uh, get too away from uh, perks, I did have one more question on that. And I, I said perks, I meant subscriptions, I, but I wanted mm-hmm. to get into perks. We did touch on having a premium podcast. There's no ads, you know, you're valuing people's times. I'm just thinking about people out there who are thinking, what, what could I offer? If I were to put a paid subscription on my show, what types of perks do people generally kind of offer their, their audiences? Yeah. yeah, there's a whole range. Really, you can uh, assemble you know, benefits that best befit, you know, your audience. Um, so, you know, we've talked about, you know, some of the ones for breaking points, but, you know, across the spectrum of our creators, the, the common ones that we see are, you know, an ad-free show. Um, you know, like that's kind of like a, a baseline f- foundation for if you already have, uh, you know, sponsorships and, and ads on your show, you know. So it's kind of, it's an interesting juxtaposition, I guess, you know, like when you do have ads, because that actually allows you to monetize both sides of your audience. You know, like on the free side, obviously the way you're funding your free show is with sponsorship money. But then, you know, like when you push that to a point that you've got so many ads that people would actually pay to not hear them, then, you know, that gives you an opportunity to obviously monetize at a far higher clip than you're able to with CPMs. You know, if somebody's paying you, you know, $5 per month, you know, that's obviously, uh, you know, a, a lot more money on a per subscriber basis than, you know, the the cents on the dollar that you get um, uh, for a $25 CPM, you know, per, per thousand people. Um, and so uh, that is kind of like a, a common thing that we see when you do have ads. But over and above that, and, you know, I guess I'll describe these in um, uh, increasing levels of the creator's time, uh, you know, you're able to do things like uncut versions of the show. That's what Breaking Points does. You know, like mm-hmm. how much work does that require? Actually less, Nothing. you know, like yeah. than actually <laughs> producing it. And it's crazy, you know, like it's at first, you know, your instinct as a creator might be like, why would people pay for that? Why would people want the uncut version? It doesn't make any sense. You know, like if they're going to listen to my ums and ahs, but people go and pay tickets, you know, for tickets to be part of a live studio audience, right? Uh, For for friends or whatever it is. It's that same idea, even though there's interruptions, because they're right there on that day listening to, to, you know, the, the live version, they feel a closer connection to the audience. They get to hear something that other people don't necessarily get to hear, even if it means, uh, you know, a a less polished version. Um, So that has uh, inherent value. Uh, Early access has an inherent value. Extended episodes. So, you know, you're already probably doing, you know, recording more footage than you, you you know, know what to do with in in the, uh, the polished version. Uh, you're, you're, you know, you maybe you could ask, you know, three more questions, five more questions and reserve those for the premium version of the show. Those are things that are commonly bundled together. Uh, and then as you start to layer on bonus content, that's when you can really drive up both the conversion rate to paid and then also the, the dollar value of uh, your subscription. Um, so there might be uh, bonus episodes that you do once uh a month, you know, for your premium audience. You might do AMAs. Uh, Supercast actually has a platform that, you know, Saga and Breaking Points yeah, uses. love it. 
to solicit questions from members only in their first week of going live. They got a thousand questions, you know, like, so there was just this, I mean, there's crazy pent up demand for people to be able to ask whatever question they want about UFOs or, you know, like yeah. Afghanistan or, or whatever. And, and just the sheer act of being able to ask and then also upvote other people's questions. And then, you know, like kind of almost the anticipation of Saga actually, you know, like talking about that live on air and referencing you. I mean, it goes way back. Yeah, you know, saying their name, they get a lot out of that. People really get a kick out of that. When I'm like, this question from Christopher Liddell or something. Like, that's that's a big but, thing. There's a Christopher Liddell out there just freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled that out. I think that might actually have been a name of a question. <laughs> And, and, and you can take that to like various different levels. So, you know, like they also, as part of a, a lifetime membership on Breaking Points, they also put your name on a plaque. So Christopher, maybe he's a lifetime member yeah, and he's, you know, behind your, your desk, maybe. Um, but, you know, like there's, that's a $1,500 membership of Breaking Points. You know, like that, that's, you know, enormous value that people are ascribing, you know, like to being connected to the show, um, as well as other things like access to a newsletter or access to a private uh, community group, Facebook, uh, you know, Slack. People are doing all sorts of different ways. Discord, um, but ultimately, you know, your audience best as as the creator, and and it's also an area where you know, if you have that direct connection to your audience, you can just ask them. You know, much to, to Saga's point, you know, yeah. it's all about experimenting with with what creates value. Are there any um, common pitfalls to uh, subscription? In I mean, what you were just mentioning um, about suddenly you've got a thousand people on this live stream and uh, you feel as if you have a responsibility to answer all of their questions about UFOs because they've paid $5 a month. <laughs> you know, there's, a, uh, I guess, a, an element of scalability. Um, yeah. Anything else that you need to be aware of? That's a good point, actually, is in terms of, you know, whenever you do start to get thousands and thousands of people. So what we do is we don't do that live stream. We have it on the platform. We choose five a week for exactly that reason. We're like, look, if we don't get to you, like, I'm sorry, in terms of, you know, you got to understand there's, you know, thousands and thousands of people here who are subscribing. Um, I'm trying to think about any of the, I mean, honestly, if once you're starting to get a big enough uh, uh, audience, some people are always going to be mad about something you say. And that's okay. You just have to be accepted. You just, have mm-hmm. to accept it is it's one of those things where look if you got you know thousands and thousands of subscribers and especially with our show right and left some news is going to piss off somebody on the right some <laughs> news is going to piss off somebody on the left that's what we tell you from the beginning before you pay us is we're like look you're not always going to agree but you'll at least know there were straight shooters some people still don't listen that's okay you know you want to cancel it's all right so that's another thing that you just have to get used to is that whenever you're going to have tens and tens and thousands of people, you cannot make everybody happy um, all the time. And that is okay. I think that's something that I would, I would tell people to. Yeah. And I think also over committing, um, you know, like, and, and just signing yourself up to two, to things that have too high an additional uh, commitment on your behalf as a content creator, like ultimately, you know, you have you you kind of have like two audiences to to serve. You know, like once you introduce this idea of a premium membership, and you know, we we believe like our job at Supercast is actually like to build out the tools that allow you to provide value without having to like double your workload. You know, like that we don't want that for any content creator. And of course, uh, you know, like we want most of their time to be able to produce content that serves both of those audiences in in really smart ways. 
Um, so to the point about the AMAs, you know, like that's we saw people wanting to provide this as a feature and doing it, you know, like in haphazard ways. Um, and and so that's why we built that platform to be able to solicit questions on their behalf for people to be able to interact with each other by upvoting each other's questions. Uh, but ultimately, it's not a democracy. You know, like it's it's just because something was upvoted the, the most doesn't mean Saga is going to talk right. about it. You know, it's it's up to them as hosts what they want to talk about and and how fast they want to like you know kind of pick questions from that repository but ultimately the 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 added value of that ama as a creator is that the content kind of comes to you you know you don't have to think about oh what am i going to do for another five episodes this month uh you know people are, are literally telling you they're literally asking you like what they want your thoughts on and so all you have to do is once every two weeks, you know, like get in front of the mic and then you know start talking about uh, the things that you know you want to talk about as well. In the final few minutes we have here, uh, I, I just wanted to ask uh, one more question. So there's there's all kinds of perks we can we can offer listeners out there, but the trick is earning their trust and getting them to actually become paying members. So what kind of tips do you guys have for people who, again, are just kind of starting out and they're, they're looking to build to that point? How do you turn a, a free listener into a premium listener? You know, I, I think it comes back to what I said earlier, which is find out what they value. See if you can make it exclusive. But that's another question, right? What if they don't value? What if you're not able to make it exclusive? If you're able to make it exclusive, then... You should put that behind a paywall. And I, I really encourage anybody out there who does think that they can do it. I think that you should if you kind of do that checklist. Because it's like Jason says, you always want to be your own boss. Like if we had gone, and I, I can tell, tell you this, when we were starting out, like we explored all our options. And these big companies, these you know ad radio companies and all that, they want everything under the sun. Before you start out, right? They're like, oh, we want IP ownership. Like we want, you know, this and pre-sale and minimum. It's, and, and we said, no, screw that. We did. We went supercast first. Now, if I want, I'm be like, all right, now I've got the top number one podcast. I can do whatever I want. You take it or leave it, right? So it's all about control um, and trying to put yourself kind of in that position. But like I said, you really got to figure out what do people value? Jason and I had a lot of conversations about this before we launched. Um, help me figure out i'm like oh it's actually that daily thing about me talking to crystal that discussion that period in that show and vice versa that's very very valuable that's what we should put behind the paywall figuring out that type of like hook thing and again that's so unique to my show but you got to figure out what that is for your show for your content and then see if you can are able to make that exclusive without taking away too much that doesn't make sure and make sure that the you know, the, the free version is always going to still be valuable to the people who consume it. Yeah, I think the the uh, interesting thing to maybe to think about hypothetically is what would be happen? What would happen? What would be the reaction if you went away? Like if you just stopped publishing for a week? Like, where would you see that, you know, kind of come out from your audience? And and I can tell you that certainly looking through, like, the old videos at the Hill and whatever, if Saga and Crystal just, like, disappeared off, you know, like, it, with, uh, and in fact, they did, you know, just yeah. to some extent, yeah. you know, like, they, their audience would be, you know, up and yeah, up. Freaked they, out. They would, yeah. they would freak out. You know, they would be all over the previous video saying, oh, where are they? You know, what have you done? <laughs> um, and, and so I think if you're kind of a, a creator and you're, 
you're thinking, you know, like, do I have that? You know, like, do, do I have uh, what it takes to kind of like go premium and ask people to pay? Maybe just the, the, the way to kind of like start to lean into that is like, what would happen if I stopped publishing? Would people miss me? You know, like, am I already, do I already have that connection to them on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever, where I would start to see comments on my last post saying, hey, you know, like, where have you gone? You know, I'm missing my, my daily dose. You know, if, if the answer to that is yes, then yeah, I think you uh, have some connection that you can build on. That's a great point. So I want to thank you both for, for joining us. Uh, Sagar, where can everybody find you out there in the world? Sure. Uh, breaking points on YouTube at E-S-A-A-G-A-R, E-Sagar, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. And uh, Jason, uh, where can folks learn more about Supercast? Uh, they can go to supercast.com, um, spelled the usual way. Uh, and uh, yeah, feel free to reach out to me uh, directly on Twitter at jsuhoy. That's J-S-E-W-H-O-Y. I also want to know where we can find out more, Dan, about Chris Liddell as well. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Liddell. They, they'll have to reach out to us, though. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm sure. Whoever it is is going to be very happy. <laughs> guys, thank you so much. This is awesome. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks for the time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk, brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash TubeTalk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video-making day. I hope you enjoyed this special edition of Supercasters. Till next time, stay super out there.